Hey, Robert. Hey, Scott. What's the difference between Shabazz Muhammad and time? Tell me the difference, Scott. Time actually passes. Hey everybody, welcome to Wolves Cast, episode 81. This is the show that always watches this game at 3 a.m. anyway, so it's not that big of a deal, Neil. Stop bragging about how you're staying up late overseas. Some of wine, us, wine, Some wine. of us always watch it after midnight, okay? It's hosted by myself and my good friend. I'm Scott. I'm Rob. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's good bit. I feel like a guest still. It's great to be back, Scott. Thank you. You again feel like for somewhere between me. a guest and uh, an official part of the family. You know, yeah. It's, it's kind of like it's a weird limbo. It's kind of like an uncle or someone who's a little bit removed from the family, and he doesn't come over and stay all the time. But when he does, I kind of feel like to give it a wolves analogy. I kind of feel like Bielitsa sometimes, where my minutes fluctuate. Yeah, where, it's true. You, you go know, through your stretches. Yeah, I go through stretches. Sometimes where you're, you know, three pods in a row, and you're just, you know, shooting it from deep and making it. And then sometimes you injure your foot in a weird way. And then sometimes I get, you know, three minutes in a playoff game, you know, where you get long stretches of inactivity, right. and you yep. get, I get nothing. That's right. Well, we're happy that you're shooting well right now, Robert. Thank you for joining us for a second straight week in a row. Yes, thank you. It's good to be. It's great to be back. It's and, been a uh, crazy week. Uh, I had my someone uh, hacked my bank account. And and mm. so I had to get a new card, and then my car started smoking, so I had to take it into a shop, paid $600 in repairs for that. And for some reason, these aren't even like, they didn't even feel like big parts of my week, because we had no. Timberwolves playoff basketball. They're bigger week. fish to fry. Exactly. They're, my week has been just about these Probably good timing. Games. Yeah, man. absolutely. It probably would have bummed you yeah, out quite a bit. It would have otherwise. It's a great point. Um, so we had quite a week of Timberwolves basketball, three playoff games. Hmm. including a playoff victory, everybody. We're back in that playoff win column. Well, we, we were hoping last week. We were talking about how we wanted that gentleman sweep. The gentleman sweep, yep. And we just weren't sure if James Harden and Mike D'Antoni were gentlemen, and they proved to be men of valor. Yeah, that's right. I was, uh, I was impressed in that they... As good as they look, my God, they look good at certain for certain stretches. Yeah. Hey, they allowed the Wolves to have probably one of the... I'd say that's probably a top five memorable playoff win oh, yeah, in Wolves definitely. history. I mean, obviously coming back and everything, maybe it's even higher than that, but uh, given their ineptitude. But it was nice of uh, Houston to give the eight seed a uh, nice resounding game three victory uh, at home to a, to a positively electric Target Center crowd. Speaking of which, I have a howl towel in my car for you after the, wow. to you after the pod. You know wow, I mean? thank you. Um, I was actually talking about this a little on Twitter. Uh, free towels versus free t-shirts. Mm. I do think the towels on the plus side, they kind of look cool when everyone in the crowd's waving them. There's a lot of motion. But, but the, you made a point of this on Twitter, didn't you? I think that it, it dampens the sound in the arena because when you're waving a towel, you only have one hand so you can't clap. Very true, and so I think that putting putting stuff in, stuff in your hands is going to make the overall arena experience quieter. Do you remember when like uh, the thunder sticks? Oh were yeah, big. Yeah, they should give those out behind the free throw line. I think because I think that's distracting. Yeah, um, but with t shirts, you get it. It's a. I, I would rather have a t shirt. It's cooler, collectible in my mind. I could wear it often, whereas a towel. What are you going to do? Put it on your wall? I'd rather have a like a kind of an eccentric like uh, something that rewards you for coming to the game as opposed to just a regular stock t-shirt like yeah. I, I, I'm sure that Neil remembers this because I know he had one fans from way back remember the I like Randy and I like Craig shirts yeah no it's, during their sometimes rookie on year the podcast Neil will be wearing one and I'll say it on the podcast yeah I had the I like Randy shirt um, the I like Craig one is Referring to Craig Smith, the rhino, it was, by it the was way. I like Craig. For some reason, I thought it was I like Mike, Mike Miller. But no, I <laughs> no, you're no, right. No. It is Craig. I like Craig. Glass Mike. Uh, but those were, I thought those were fantastic shirts. The KG for MVP uh, shirts were were incredible. I like those uh, t-shirt giveaways. actually. KG for MVP yes, pin you nice can buy. segue. I have it. Twolves.com. Not Twolves, man. That was our old store for selling stuff. <laughs> Wolvescast.com. Click on shop. There you go. Uh, found out this week Cat saw the Tibbs pin and said he liked it, so we're going to send some to Cat. Nice. So you could nice. buy a Tibbs pin and be like your favorite basketball anything player. To, anything to kind of help help uh, improve that relationship or That's any right. relationship that Tibbs has with any of his players. Exactly. Especially that Tib- Tibbs Towns relationship. So important. Get yes. That right. Probably the most important. Well, perhaps. 
I think Neil would be angry if I didn't do a quick rundown of what you have in store for you this week. We're going to recap the three playoff games, go in depth a little bit about our experiences, watching. I attended two of those games, talk about what it was like to be in the Target Center. I'm looking forward to hearing that, Scott, because I've... I've heard some kind of mixed things. Yes, definitely. I, I can't wait to get into it. We're going to talk maybe a little bit about Glenn Taylor's comments. Every time he opens his mouth, Wolves fans ho- wish that he kind of kept it shut. That's no different. Of course, we have our ad sponsor. We're ch- charging playoff rates still where the money's good. We're going to play a game of worried, not worried. We're going to do weekly Wolfies, of course. And always we finish with a game. Um, and shouts to Neil, who does all the editing. That's the hard stuff, the showing up and drinking and talking about basketball on the mics. That's the fun stuff, playing with the puppy. That's it here. Right. Uh, that's fun. And then Neil has to do the technical work. So he's listening to us right now somewhere in London editing this to get it out on time. So this experience is much different than yours or mine. No, we get the fun stuff, and Neil's still doing all the hard work, even though he's out on tour right now. So check out Cuckoo Kangaroo, uh, four words, cuckoocangaroo.com, K K's all around. Cuckoo yeah. Kangaroo. <laughs> Whatever, Google it. You got it. Uh, they All their music's free, so check them out. Neil is... Doing uh, his country a solid by, uh, uh, what is it, uh, being an ambassador abroad, representing yes. us abroad, you know. Um, all and right. how. So we're going to get into the recaps a little bit more formally. We start with game three that was on Saturday night. It was a 121-105 to victory. Woo! Anything is possible! We don't that's have right. sound drops this week. Wolves so and six. I'm going to try and do all know, the sound drops Yeah, myself. it was Wolves and six after that victory. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, that was amazing. Uh, you know, that was one of those games where we kept the lead and we kept going, and I was always just kind of on pins and needles. Like, they, they could make a run at no any No lead time, is safe. You know, especially against the Rockets. Yep. That game three was... I mean, you were at that game. Yes. It must have been... Uh, a unique experience for you and you've been to dozens and i mean maybe again into the hundreds of wolf games yeah. before tell me about how is it different yeah, than I'm a other member games of you've the been 41 to? club ah. <laughs> got season tickets two years and if you go to all 41 games you get a member of the 41 club they used to have like a wall in the target center where they listed all the names wow i don't think they do that anymore which is a shame because i showed up at every game for two years 41 well club. you're in a unique perspective then to yeah. talk about how this game was different uh, well, the energy was bananas. Uh, I felt like I was at a Lynx playoff game. The energy uh-huh. was so good and so high and it's so high consistent. Compliment. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't gone to a Lynx playoff game, those are the best fans in the world. They know, they pay attention, they know all the right times to cheer. They're really intelligent about the sport mm-hmm. um, and really rowdy. And so it was as rowdy as a Lynx game, not as smart of fans. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Some really dummies in the audience, I felt like. But you're going to get that. Uh, we, we've talked about that before. Um, I was psyched uh, for fans who were listening last week. Uh, thanks for listening again this week. Uh, there, I was talking about I couldn't find anyone to take my ticket. I wanted to sell this ticket I had and I had an extra ticket. No one would buy it from me. So eventually I had to sell it on flash sheets to some random person. I didn't jack up the price, sold it for what I paid. I felt mm-hmm. like afterwards of how fast it sold. I was like, maybe I should have charged more. They're really good seats, you know. Mm-hmm. But I got to the game, found out it was a Rockets fan who bought it oh. from me. Well, I mean, big, so much, a, so much the better. A big, loud Rockets fan who had three beers in front of him already, wow. and uh, he was a nice guy though. I, I, he wasn't a jerk. He wasn't, you know, booing the Timberwolves or anything. He was actually a nice guy. He said all of his friends were texting him and making fun of him because he said that he has a reputation that whenever he goes to see a sporting event, his team loses. Oh, everyone feels like that. Sure. Uh, I mean, I had a really good streak last year. At least in Minnesota. Wins, but uh, yeah, exactly. It's a common thing for Minnesota. <laughs> and we're always looking for reasons to blame ourselves for things here in Minnesota. That's you know? right. Um, but he left, with, us, he left with seven minutes left in the fourth. He was like, I got to get oh, out of here. That's... That's uh, I think that's lame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you stay until the bitter end, and maybe it's just commonplace for him being a Rockets fan to have playoff games to go to every year. But like, playoff games are no guarantee here in Minnesota. So you got no, no, these no. are only the second and third NBA playoff games I've ever been to in my life. You know, so mm-hmm. can't can't miss that opportunity. Um, so yes, game three was very fun. I had a parlor burger. For all the fans who have been following our Timberwolves food reviews all season long. <laughs> that was our favorite thing that we had this year. So I had one of those. And then uh, game four, Monday night, that was a uh, 100 to 119 loss. Uh, I brought my wife to that game. First game we went to together this season, apparently. And 
I still had fun because my wife was there. You know, it's fun to go to a game. And when I'm there with Neil or I'm there by myself, I focus on different things than if I'm there with my wife because, you know, yeah. she's not into the nitty gritty as much. She likes the team. She likes the players. She's, different in, she's invested in their success. But uh, yeah, very different perspective. So that was good to have her around. And kept, she kept me cool during that third quarter because great first half. Crowd was in it. Crowd wasn't quite as in it as in game three. I was like, Monday night, earlier start time. Game three was a later start, so people had drink drank a little more. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you check out Wolves Cast Digest, my weekly post on Canis Hoopus, this week I have a stat about how much more beer was sold on Saturday night versus Monday <laughs> night. Um, so the fans were definitely rowdier. Um, Monday night, though, the crowd was bringing pretty good energy through the first half, and then uh, the third quarter... <sighs> devastating that quarter. third quarter was unlike anything i've ever seen in any basketball game and i had i remember watching a wolves game way back in the day and it being a big deal that they got 40 points in a quarter now yeah. this was back you know a different before different the era. Point revolution but i remember that being like wow 40 points in the quarter yeah i had never heard of a team ever getting to 50 yeah, in a quarter. Let alone a playoff game where let you're, alone a playoff supposed to be playing event against better competition you know theoretically Man. Um, it was kind of frustrating for me because I was trying to get some uh, some merch to somebody in the arena, but they weren't allowing me to walk down near the tunnel um, because that was like mm-hmm. you had to have a VIP wristband or something. So I was having a hard time trying to reach this person walking around in circles, kind of in the concourse. And it's the the second uh, the third quarter started while I was still in the concourse, and it took me maybe two minutes to get back to my seat. And already, I mean, we were down by one at the beginning of the third quarter. And in that, like, 90 seconds it took me to get back to my seat, we were down by 10. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, already, it was just like, how fast that happens. It was it was something to behold. I'm glad that I watched it. I mean, I, don't, I didn't feel good about it as no. it happened. But to be able to behold a, I mean, that's the pinnacle of offensive basketball right there. Is what, the most what we saw. I mean, I, I didn't like some of those calls they were getting. I felt like the calls started yeah. becoming really one sided and like they were calling stuff in that quarter that they didn't call in the first half. So I wasn't a fan of the refs. But, but the when it's 50 to Rockets 20. Rockets are the more aggressive team, though. And the, the saying the says calls. the aggressive team does get the calls. Well, I do think the officiating was bad in that quarter. It, we, did, they, yeah. we didn't lose 50 to 20 in that quarter because of the refs alone. You know, you have to tip your cap. This is what we were afraid of the Rockets were capable of is that all it takes is one quarter of them getting super hot and they can bury you that's right that that's what this entire series what it felt like is that the wolves were would hang 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 and then there'd be a stretch of like eight minutes where it all falls apart and that's the game and And it's it's, such a weird feeling too when you're sitting there and you just feel the air being let out of you very slowly it's a weird yet familiar feeling oh yeah especially from past seasons just in the regular season you know the wolves would you know they'd play the Cavs or something or they'd play you know golden state and they beat golden state one couple years ago but it'd always be like they'd hang hang even have like something would happen the whole game then yeah yeah then something happens and there's still remnants of that to this day and the same thing happened i mean we haven't started talking about game five yet but same sort of script from game four to game five close first half close first half you missed some opportunities though that's the one thing is that you look at these scores and i mean game game four was a 19 point win by i mean to think that they had a 50 point quarter and they only won by 19 is actually I'm kind of surprised Especially considering by that. D'Antoni decided to leave his starters in for the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, I didn't get I was that. Like, I was like, Derek Rose is in this building, sir. Do you not understand what <laughs> Again, will happen if you leave your the walking your cautionary yeah. tale. That's right. You've seen what can happen when you leave your guys in. And game five was an 18 minutes. point. It was 122 to 104. Right. Both games, I mean, the score doesn't reflect how close it was until those big runs happened, and then all of a sudden, you know, the game's out of reach. But it's not as if these games are, you know, after one quarter, the Rockets are up six, and after after one half, they're up 12. Yeah. And after, it's all, you know, just one huge onslaught that happens, and the Wolves are just, you know, run over for a period of, you know, eight to 12 minutes or whatever it is. I think this is something that makes me question Thibodeau's coaching ability. It's kind of like yeah. a coach who understands his rotations and his players – would be able to put out the right combo of players to stop a run, mm-hmm. and Thibodeau wasn't able to do that with any of these runs. That's that's pretty much how all the games went. Maybe game one was a little bit more back and forth the entire game, but yeah. all, the other three losses were pretty much all just on those one quarter, or maybe like 
you know, eight minutes out of a quarter, third for games four and five, where there's just a complete breakdown on both sides. And then you're fighting uphill into the fourth against the Rockets, which, right. you know, who can who can overcome that? Yeah, I think that um, I wouldn't be surprised if looking at the series, I wouldn't be surprised if the Timberwolves won more quarters than the mm. Rockets did. But the Rockets just, the quarters that they scored more than us, they scored 20 more than us or something where the yep. whole game's decided. But I bet if you're just counting, going quarter to quarter, I'm sure the Timberwolves won more because it seems like we we win the first quarter by a point. And we win the second quarter by three points. Right. We lose the third quarter by 15 to 20 points. You know, Then the fourth quarter we lose by three points. But I think like in that. three of the losses... The Wolves had double-digit leads, I want to say. Yeah, that sounds right At least to me. in two of them, but I think in three of them they had double-digit leads. And then, I mean, that's nothing against Houston. But it does speak to that, hey, they could hang for them for a while, but they could never get that separation except in Game 3. Game 3 was the only game where they built the lead and then they were able to get separation, mm-hmm. you know, into like a you know a 12 to you know 18 point or whatever they got up to in Game 3. And I thought that that buffer helped them help them finish off the game as opposed to like in the first half where they're they're up five or something and then it's just it's gone like that right and then all of a sudden they're feeling feeling like oh we pissed away this lead yeah. and then it's into panic mode and then then the the onslaught happens so that coaching is part of that though use of yeah. timeouts use of rotations getting tired players out whatever the case may be does seem like the wolves were susceptible to a lot in this series and also just Throughout the season, uh, Neil gave me some gory stats about that third quarter. <laughs> he calls it the best offensive quarter in NBA postseason history. Harden twenty-two points, CP three had fifteen, nine threes in the quarter. The Rockets made more threes in the third quarter than the Wolves made all night. Can't do that. Yep. Rockets doubled their first half point total in one quarter. They Dead. came into it with fifty points and they <laughs> left with a hundred. After leading thirty-six twenty-nine with seven fifty left in the second quarter. The Wolves were outscored 71 to 33 through the end of the third quarter. Yeah. Rockets only needed four players to score 50 points. <laughs> Harden was zero, zero for seven with two points in the first half, seven for 10 for 22 points in the third quarter. It's been 56 years since the team scored 50 in a quarter, which is even more amazing to me because they didn't have a three point line back then and they still yeah, figured out how to score 50 in a quarter. I don't That's know. crazy. Was that kind of like in that older era of the NBA where there was a lot less parity between like the yes. top and bottom? I, it was a Lakers game, only... so I wonder if they had Wilt Chamberlain and they were just like <laughs> throwing all the balls to him or something. You know, and who knows? But someone can look that up. But uh, but it was it was something to behold. I'll never forget that third quarter, <laughs> watching it and just being like, wow. After like five minutes, they had sco- after five minutes they were up like sixteen or something, and, and the Wolves were up one going into that, and all of a sudden it's just they what they did though is they just destroyed us mentally because like they took the crowd out of the game. It Instantly. was the third quarter. They were I was kind of sitting a little bit behind the hoop on one of the baselines, and the Timberwolves were coming at us. They were scoring on my side of the court for the first half, and the second half I was getting ready. Every free throw, I was going to get up and wave my arms and yell and try to be a distraction. And by the time they went to the line in the third quarter, they had so killed the energy in the building, no one stood up. No one waved their yeah. arms. No one yelled. They're just like, take your take your effing free throws. You know, they they killed our spirit in that third quarter. It's the And I'm sure they that was what they were saying coming out. Like, hey, we could step on this team's throat you know, within the first couple minutes and then the game is over. Right. I mean, really it's as simple as that. So it was, uh, I was really impressed by Houston. Um, just, I mean, they, they took the wolves best shots. They always felt like they weren't out of control or panicking or anything like that. Even when the wolves did build those, those smallish leads, uh, on, in those, uh, in those first halves. Yeah. Um, but they always just seem very calm about the way they went about business. And then the way they move the ball. <sighs> yeah, that's a team. That, so envious. That's a team that knows that there's always a better player. You know, the, the way they move the ball is, is beautiful. It's great. It's a weird dichotomy between beautiful ball movement and Harden just dribbling the air out of the ball. Yeah. And, Definitely. you know, doing his less than aesthetically well, pleasing Well, we're going to talk stuff, about that so. in just a minute. But let's make sure we finish up game five. We already talked about it was a 104 to 122 loss. 
It's good to see adjustments made by Tibbs. He's a guy who doesn't adjust very often, but we saw him start trapping Harden when he had the ball in the high pick and roll. At least in the first half. And that seemed pretty effective in the first half. Uh, Towns, after starting the series really poorly in games one and two, found himself in the last three games, got better as the playoff series went on. So that was encouraging to see. Although a lot of his stats were in garbage time. Mm, a favorite yeah. favorite Timberwolves writer, uh, Britt Robson, kind of points that out, that Towns looks so comfortable in garbage times of games. <laughs> so uh, there was some, some stats. There's something to that, know, yeah. Some stat grabbing there. He never seemed completely... He did get some of his mojo back in games 3, 4, and 5, um, but never really seemed completely comfortable or... Uh, he just—he was pretty much even in the good game, even in his good games, quote yeah. unquote. He really wasn't a huge fat. He never really made himself a factor. If you just watched this series and hadn't watched basketball before, you would leave the series thinking Clint Capella is a much better basketball player than Carl Anthony Towns. Right. Yeah. Or at least that Towns has a lot of room to grow. Yeah. So that's that's playoff basketball, though. That's what that's what can happen if you have like an unfavorable matchup for you know an entire it was series. A bad matchup. One of the worst matchups we could have had just talent wise and style wise and you know. But maybe hey, that's that's probably a good thing though. In in the long term perspective of his career, I can look at him I can see him looking back and be like, yeah, that first playoff series where Clint Capella, you know, he outplayed me, that was a real eye opener. At least you hope so. Right, exactly. And that brings us into full court press. Here's the tip. Um, so Towns, Wiggins, Tyus, playoffs for the first time. What do we think they can take away from this series? I thought when you were saying earlier how it can just go on one quarter like that is a good lesson for them and that you can't let up for a five-minute stretch because the whole game could be lost in that stretch. And I think that that's something that uh, the young guys will now realize about playoff basketball. Absolutely. That's when the Rockets made their runs uh, during those wins. It seemed like because they were the ones that picked up the intensity level. They were the ones that all of a sudden were getting the deflections. They were the ones who were making things uncomfortable for the Wolves. They were getting turnovers. Uh, They were forcing those hard shots. The Wolves were having to use up the entire shot clock, uh, which has been pretty much a recipe for... I don't. I wouldn't want to say disaster because the Wolves they they're a better offensive team than they look, but that's always something that seems to have dragged the team down. During it would be those nice losses. if I don't care if they use the whole shot clock, but it'd be nice if stuff was happening between the 18 second mark and the 10 second mark. <laughs> there was a lot of people. I was going to say six. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people were griping loudly about Jeff Teague and his habit of dribbling the ball at the top of the key for you know 10 seconds before any offense is initiated. Yeah, and that's what was so. I mean, when we talk about Cat having a hard series, a lot of the times when those missed shots or those turnovers, he's getting the ball with like seven seconds left on the shot clock. Or less. Or less. And that's, that's good enough for D'Antoni. Seven seconds or less is all you need. But <laughs> The other direction. But those are, those are almost as bad as turnovers in a certain sense because they're leading to tough contested shots and all of a sudden the Rockets are off to the races off the defensive rebound yeah and we got killed in transition in this series and that's something that shouldn't happen for us we're a younger team you know we should have those legs yeah or at least we should we should have been a little bit more opportun. well we were probably saying that the whole season is that the Wolves could have been more opportunistic in transition uh, than they are Uh, so that's game five was another one of those another one of those games where you felt like they were just barely hanging on and then Playing the Rockets is like, I always think of it as like you're up against like a dam of water and there's a bunch of holes in it and you put your finger in one hole and then all of a sudden another hole starts spurting out water and then you move over and then the same one. This and it's so- just you pick your poison and then at a certain point, if you're not, if the, the water just overtakes you and you drown. I have a very cartoon imagery in my mind that's of an evocative cartoon image of like yes. the finger stretching to like get all very the Very Looney Tunes-esque. Boop, 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 boop. Like, yeah, fingers going in the holes. Definitely. That, that's a that metaphor. But you think of all the guys that, I mean, it wasn't just Paul and Harden. I mean, they were the main guys, but Gordon hurt us. Gerald Green hurt us. Ariza hurt us. Um, it, obviously, Capella hurt us quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're just so stacked top to bottom. They didn't even play Joe Johnson. Yeah, he got garbage time minutes at the end of uh, game yeah. four. And I was like, Joe Johnson? I forgot he was on the team. I was like, Joe yeah, Johnson? He's ring hunting. I don't leave early. I stayed for all the garbage time. <laughs> 
Um, any other kind of takeaways you're hoping the young guys will uh, learn from this? Their first just experience that, in playoff basketball. Just that you have to. I think more than anything that it's about attitude and intensity. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that's. I think that it's not about talent so much anymore with those guys. It's about can you keep a high intensity level the entire game in a playoff series against. Can you be? I think their next step is: Can you be teams that are better than you consistently, right. and and teams worse than you too? But can you can you get these? Can you stem the tide of these runs that cause your downfall in all in a lot of these games, especially against the upper echelon opponents? Yeah, I. I, I so much of that is momentum based and energy based, and I think that was something that hopefully those guys took away. Shouts to Drew Wiggins, right? He probably listening. Uh, <laughs> The chillest player on the team probably had the most intensity this series. I really appreciated Wiggins' intensity. He was all over the court. He would come out, contest a top-of-the-key three-pointer, then get back to his man in the corner, and then do some terrific rebounding. He didn't have the highest rebound totals, but every one of his rebounds was really athletic and in a key spot where if he didn't get it, the Rockets were getting it. Yep. So I was uh, there wasn't any of these you know uncontested kind of rebounds that Towns or some of the big men kind of get just by standing under the rim like they were athletic, and so I he played great for most of the series. He didn't play very well in Game Five, but for a lot of the series he was the best player on our team. And yeah. So just crazy. We spend the whole season criticizing Wiggins and building up Towns and Butler as you know our two best players, and then come playoff time, Wiggins outperforms them in several games. Yeah, Wiggins reminds me of uh, I'm a big tennis fan, and Wiggins. What I'm hoping he he lives in, into this analogy. Wiggins reminds me a little bit of Roger Federer. Ooh. And that Roger Steve Federer, Kerr, Steve Kerr said that to Manu this week. Oh, really? Yeah, he, <laughs> he was telling Manu after they got eliminated, the you know the hugs on the court afterwards. Steve Kerr was saying that he hopes Manu comes back and plays again. He because he reminds him of Look Roger. Look at Roger Federer. Yeah. Rogers, he's having a career renaissance That's right now. Right. But he he before he had his big breakthrough, he his thing was this guy has more talent than anybody, but he just has too many shots. And he doesn't know when to play what shots. And then he also could very easily, the highs were super high, but then once he started going downhill, it was tough for him to, you know, pull up and, and right the ship a little bit. And then once he had his breakthrough, all of a sudden he's unstoppable. He's the greatest ever. Well, Wiggins I, certainly has that sort of the physical tools and he can, we've seen everyone all says, the, everyone all the things says he he's can the do. most talented player on the team. Jimmy Butler says that cat to the point where, it, it could be taken like people read into the subtext when Jimmy's like, We got people with too much talent on this team to not be trying hard. People are like, Oh, he's talking about Wiggins because he's yeah, come out and said Wiggins <laughs> is the most talented, you know? Um, yeah, I, I've always thought maybe Wiggins is kind of like DeRozan where it takes several years and then he'll be there. But I was just mm. thinking maybe he's like Oladipo. Or uh, for years, Oladipo people were like, No, nah, it's just not going to happen with him. He was a high draft pick. We thought he was going to be this all star. And then like three or four years into Oladipo's career, it wasn't there. To the point where when Paul George was traded for Oladipo and Sabonis, everyone said, wow, what a ripoff. Man, Pacers really got taken to school for that. And then in the right context, everything clicked for Oladipo, and now he's one of the top 15 players in the Eastern Conference. You and I were just looking at Eastern Conference All-Stars. Before the show, Robert and I were talking about this summer, and we're saying what (laughs) more superstars could come to the West, because that's been the trend the past several years, is that all the superstars move West. And we're saying there's not really anyone who moves the needle besides LeBron uh, that's eligible to move West this season. And uh, Oladipo, we decided, is probably one of the top 15 players in the Eastern Conference right now. So maybe it'll all click like that for next year for Wiggins or something like that, but this was very encouraging to see him play so well during the playoffs. Yeah, there's certainly things to be positive about with him, but it's it's almost as if his high highs make the low lows even more frustrating, and so it's always sort of it's expectations, like we're talking about. That's it's right, all about expectations, baby. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move on to our next topic. He's heating up. Uh, my experience of attending the home playoff grade, the crowd energy at the Target Center. Here's something we've talked about a little bit before on the pod, which is when their Timberwolves are terrible, the people who are going. Are, are there for the right reasons. Or they're, they're people who aren't just there for status symbol. Hey, this is the hot ticket in town. I'm just going to bring, you know, somebody and, and just like look cool and it's my nice outfit. Because when a sport is super popular and the team's really good, the people who buy those tickets, who can afford to buy those tickets, aren't really, really true fans, you know? Right. So you're going to get a much more kind of 
bandwagony. Uh, you get the Mitt Romneys. The Mitt Romneys, yeah, yeah in Salt Lake City. <laughs> but just fans who listen to a lot of what they know about the basketball. Maybe the basketball is not their favorite sport. Maybe they like football and they listen to K Fan and you know, shouts to K Fan. They have good some good programs. They want to be an electric. But they have this kind of armchair mentality, yeah. and so they are doing stuff like booing Harden every time he touches the ball. On this, people were wondering. I think Jim Petey even asked on the broadcast, "Why do, are they booing Harden like this? He's never done anything to us." Hmm. I think some of it goes into what you're saying. He's got a style of play that has been widely criticized by casual fans and even uh, non-casual fans because he exploits the rules. He he plays on that line of is this a travel or not? Is it, you know he relies on getting to the line. He probably takes more free throws than anyone in the league. And so his gameplay is frustrating to some people in a sense. And I think a lot of people think he's a cheater because of that. Whereas I say he's just dancing on the line of the rule books. He's awesome at making sure he gathers at the last passable second so that it looks like he's taken three, but he's only taken two. You know, he's a guy who exploits it to a master degree. So I understand some of the booings for that. I think some of the booing where Harden had the ball was because of, I, sometimes I booed, but it was, I was booing the ref. Like I felt like a call should right. have happened against him, and then he's dribbling, and we're all booing, and so it sounds like we're booing Harden, but really I was booing the ref. So some of that was going on, but I was dismayed with how many people. Well, first of all, end of the first half, Harden has a bad first half in game four. You know, yep, playing terrible. We just said zero for seven, two points in the first half, and he goes to the line right before halftime, and the crowd starts cheering. Harden sucks. Harden sucks. Harden sucks. And I turn to Meg and I go, that's a bad idea. You do not poke <laughs> the bear like that. He's the best player in this arena right now. Like in the world. This, yeah. I was just like, that's, that's going to come back and bite us. And then Harden came out and scored 22 points in the third Orchestrated quarter. Orchestrated so, a 50-point quarter, yeah. Number one, let's not... Let's not do that again in the future. Let's be smarter fans than that and not chant at the best player who's struggling because he's probably going to get some motivation from that and burn us. And that really hurt us. I thought that was a very dumb move by the crowd. And that. Yeah, I feel like you need a reason other than, hey, he's a he's a guy who's on a team that we're facing and we want him to lose. Yeah, so yeah, he's he sucks. the best player, yeah. If he does something where he like hard fouls somebody and or he even if he – you need something. To, I feel like as a you need to some, be an educated what, what fan the, base, you need you need some sort of uh, some sort of uh, justification. Bulletin for, board material. If he said like right. we don't care, we we hate that we got matched up like, Minnesota because we you hate know what, traveling there or yeah, something or this like that. This city is in the. I don't like this city. You know, right. something like that. Then totally boo him. And I think I think that's the way to do things. If if he's you don't like him just because he gets to the line. And he, you know, sometimes gets calls that you think are questionable. Yeah. So yell defense or something like yeah. that. That's the way to do it. That's what kind of what I want to talk about because you got to be clever with your barbs. And, you know, maybe this is just me, 30 years of age now, a wiser man than I was. Because I'll tell you, when I got out of college and I was going to Wolves games, I used to just get slammed beforehand. You know, I'd, I'd be <laughs> drinking, you know, before I went into the arena. Sure. I'd be pretty drunk during the games. And I'd just be yelling, whatever. So, you know what? Maybe it's just these people need to mature. But I was very dismayed with how much stupid, vulgar things they were yelling. Stuff where it's like, there's families here. Can we not say the F word with everything you're yelling to the court? Yeah. Uh, can we not say, like... Really violent things. Like, can, can we just like? Who are we, Philadelphia? That's what yeah. I'd say. Like, can we at least keep it clever a little bit? Because nowadays, I will yell at a ref if I have something clever to say. But I'm not just saying, you know, you you effing suck, you know, or something like that, you know. Yeah. So go I go back to Foot Locker. Yeah, you know, and keep so, it. I think the fans classy. need to learn a little bit of etiquette. You know, I understand. It, you this is all you new can't to tell this them, fan base. Though. Act like you've been there before when they haven't been there before. No. But I'm just saying, this isn't the Vikings game. This is the NBA. Uh, let's let's be a little bit smarter and let's not ruin it for all the families in the audience by just being super vulgar. But, just, I mean, we've uh, come on. You, we've been in Wolves games where. You remember Chris Johnson? He got MVP chance. Oh, yeah. We're good at ironic years cheers. Ago. We, there was a game six ironic cheer going, or Wolves in six ironic cheer when we were yeah. winning. So we're, I like ironic cheers. That stuff's funny to me, you know? But it's, I feel like it's only only teams who aren't winners do those sort of chants, their fan bases, you know? Right. Like, we don't have, or at least at this stage, I'd, I'd rather have it be more like pro team chants instead of, you know, chants that sort of are ironically funny or something like that i don't yeah. know 
So, I, something like that. I'm, I'm like again. I don't care if you. It's an ironic chant, but just don't be dumb. Don't be vulgar. Don't be. Yeah. You know, don't just, be. Don't give into this. Don't be unnecessarily things. negative. You know, just just because you don't like the other team. Yeah. That, it it smacks of like the. When I was watching it, I saw that it made it reminded me of those old Twins, uh, Twins Yankees series. Oh yeah, stuff where it just seemed like the Twins fans hated the Yankees because they were good. But the thing is, the Twins have reasons to hate the Yankees. Oh wow, we have no rivalry with the Reds. I mean, the Rockets, the Twins. Uh, uh, we've had a tortured history of the Yankees. It's a bad time to bring this up, Robert. They've uh, lost I'll, seven. Let's games. just move on. The twins have lost seven games in the last seven days. So well, got swept in New York. So I, I'm sorry. Let's I, not talk about that. You're triggering me, Robert. You're triggering me. Big um, let's go on to our final topic. Uh, Glenn Taylor's comments. He was on a radio interview these days. Whenever Glenn talks, he sounds just like a super old grandma grandpa talking about respectability politics or whatever, you know. So uh, the only thing that was notable, though, is that Jimmy's agent took some umbrage with the comments. Uh, <laughs> Glenn was saying, I mean, actually, maybe you could fill us in on this. So I guess what what Papa Glenn had said was basically something to the effect of, "Hey, we're going to." be relying on Jimmy to maybe attract some free agents this summer. Right. And Jimmy's agent was like, that's not Jimmy's job. You should be trying to attract him That's right. Back. You should be recruiting Jimmy, not let's, asking Jimmy to recruit let's not put the you. Let's not put the uh, card ab- ahead of the horse. Yeah, and stuff like Glenn Taylor saying, oh, what we're going to do to be a championship contender, we're going to have uh, good players come here for less money than they're worth because that's what happens when you see championship contenders. Like, Obviously, that happens with Golden State, and obviously that happens with Cleveland. But you, Houston, don't see that, yeah. you don't see that happening with more than like three or four teams. So it's pretty no. self, it's pretty conceited to be like, yeah, we're already good enough. It'd that- be akin to saying that to like, Indiana or something right at this stage like now that they've had some success now all the free agents will be willing to sign for less it's yeah like, no no we don't have that, that kind of recruiting power no that only happens you know a couple this, this is my guys this might is still Minnesota that. in the winter you know yeah and you had one decent season yeah not, where you not barely great. made the playoffs right and lost in five so it wasn't exactly you know like a uh you're not exactly working on a dynasty at this point you're still a lot of unanswered questions and I, I tend to side with Jimmy, and I, I feel like both guys. Glenn Taylor didn't need to say what he said about Jimmy attracting, you know, helping helping the wolves. He just sounds out of touch whenever he opens his mouth. Yeah, he does. The whole and he's he's been someone who I've. He seems like a guy who the more you learn about his management style and how he's how he's kind of how he affects the team with his actions, the less that you want him to be owner anymore. Yeah. It's, it's always tough. Cause he's a, I think he's made some really dumb moves. He's hurt us in a lot of ways. And at the same time, if he wasn't the owner, this team would probably be in Seattle right now. So it's kind of a double edged sword. I mean, I can hate the man's actions, but I have to still respect the fact that he's been adamant about keeping the team here. You could do worse owners. I mean, you think about like Dan Gilbert and all the, Goofy stuff he's done. Sterling. Dolan, <laughs> Sterling, even uh, who was the guy in uh, Sacramento? Oh, um, was it the Maloofs? Or the Maloofs no, were back uh, with the, the new guy who. Vivev. Yeah, I forget his name, but um, it, it's good that Taylor has been more hands off. But when he does decide to do go hands on, it seems like he's always pushing yeah. the wrong buttons and yeah. that he just isn't really the kind of. I don't want him around the players. You know, I don't want him doing, you know, lasagna dinners. Yeah, he's just out of, he's too out of touch with their lifestyles at this point, you know. Yeah, I don't think it helps anything. And KG's relationship with him is soured and Yeah, that's sad. I just uh, I don't know uh I don't know if he's adding a whole lot to the other than cutting the checks. I don't know how much he's adding. Well, just keep cutting those checks, Papa. Just Klein. keep improving, you know, work work on, you know, keep improving the uh practice facility and all that stuff. That's yeah. the best way. Not by giving interviews and talking about what players should be doing in the offseason and all that sort of stuff. Keep that private. Well, speaking of cutting checks, let's go ahead and cut a check for ourselves. It's time for our sponsor, everybody. That's right. Got to get that money. Got to pay for this podcast somehow. We have a very exciting sponsor for you. And here's the beginning of our read. The Timberwolves have been eliminated from the playoffs. Now... Fans who love the NBA have to choose a second team to root for. Timberwolves fans, 
You're well familiar with having a second favorite team you choose, you cheer for in the playoffs. You've been doing it for 14 years. I am. So now it's time to figure out who are you going to cheer for next? Are you going to cheer for the Rockets? No. They were no. mean. They just beat us. And you know what? That beard, it's dumb. Stupid. A bunch of chokers. That's exactly right. Thunder? Nah. You know nah. what? Mello, he's washed, man. And uh, that team got stolen from Seattle. You know? Just a bunch of ingrates. And Not a fan. Uh, the Warriors? We've been cheering for the Warriors for too long now. We need something new. Man, it was fun to cheer for the Warriors before they won the most games in the league or in NBA history, then added Kevin Durant to their team after that, you know? Now, it's just overdone. You want to cheer for the Warriors? You've got to be living in San Francisco and be worth a trillion dollars. Pelicans? I I don't like Pelicans as a bird, to be honest with you, just to start there. And you know what? They're, Uh, They're mean. There, everyone's going to say Anthony Davis better than Carl Anthony Towns, and it's going to be hard to argue now. So that's going to make you know, life me. hard for Wolves fans. How the can far, I cheer for a team that has The farther the Pelicans that. go, the worse it is for Wolves fans and because they're going to have to hear about how much better relationship. Anthony Davis is. Plus, Anthony Davis was on definitely on track to be traded to the East, I felt like. And mm-hmm. now the Pelicans, he might stay with the Pelicans because they're doing so well. Let's get Anthony Davis so fed up that he goes to the East, everybody. Wouldn't that be nice? Let's get it started. Get the movement going. The Cavs? Sure, LeBron's fun. But this is the least fun Cavs team in years. You know? They're not very good. They don't seem to like each other very much. You know LeBron's gone after this season. So as fun as it is to cheer for the best player in basketball. Still some lingering some lingering bad blood between Wolves fans and Kevin Love, too. Pacers? Can't be understated. Oh, yeah. Pacers? I'm too bitter about the Pacers. They're better than they should have been. They beat us at our home court you know, early in the season. I still haven't let that go. And, you know, Indiana's a terrible stake. You know, the thing I've got two big problems with. One, I hate Indiana. Every time I've driven through it, I'm just reminded about how terrible they are. And uh, the other thing is I hate Steak and Shake. And they have that on their their stanchions. They have a Steak and Shake ad. Hmm. And it just gives me a stomach ache whenever I look at it. Because I've only had terrible experiences at Steak and Shake. It's a really overrated restaurant. And just terrible. So, not them. Uh, Lance Stevenson, too. He's, uh, He's goofy. Yeah, and he got injured with the Wolves and yeah. didn't give him nearly as much as he could have. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about the Raptors, Robert? Raptors, you know, what I don't like is they had the whole, like, North thing going, that they were the North team, where when in reality, Minneapolis, Minneapolis is farther north than Toronto. Farther north than Toronto. So, so, I mean, that's... It's, it's it's false advertising. Also, they don't help pay our teacher salaries. Their taxes go to a different country. So, oh. you know... They're not even helping America. <laughs> the Wizards, I mean, they don't even like each other. How are we supposed to like them? No. JJ Bray, I love that one. He's like, <laughs> they don't even like each other in the locker room. He's so right. <laughs> so let's forget them. The Sixers, we can't do that. They're a better up-and-coming team than us. They're stealing our thunder as the most fun and exciting up-and-coming team. It used team. to be between the Sixers and the Wolves. We who's were the, the team that was the f- winning the who's process. The future? Yeah. Oh. And now the Sixers are like, they're going to make the finals. They this might is make the, year. the finals. They have a chance. And then they might get LeBron this offseason. So no thank you. And plus, Philly is mean. They beat us in, uh, in the That's football right. playoffs, you know. So we're not about Philly. And Bede is always trolling on Towns. They just want a Super Bowl. They don't need any more success. Boston? Enough said. You know, Ugh. screw that place. Yeah, Boston, I don't. They've had enough winning for. Uh, for decades. Know, if, if if it wasn't enough that the, the Boston Celtics are unlikable, people from Boston are really unlikable. So forget mm. that. And the Bucks, I mean, they are close to us. Uh, and, you know, Milwaukee's fun. But they're just like, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota. We don't get a lot sometimes, you know? No. You so can't root say for Say no to the Bucks. That's why we're asking you today to say yes to the Utah Jazz, everybody. Ricky Rubio. <laughs> Take note. A heartthrob sensation, triple-double in the playoffs, outplaying reigning MVP Russell Westbrook in the playoffs, and everyone said playoff Ricky wouldn't be any good. How awesome is that that Russell Westbrook has to answer, has to be like, I'm going to shut Ricky Rubio down. Shut down Ricky Rubio in the playoffs. This seems like an alternate dimension. Yeah, easily. And Rudy Gobert is fun to cheer for. Donovan Mitchell is like... If it weren't for Ben Simmons, he'd be the runaway rookie of the year. And oh, yeah. Seven, just Fun guy to cheer for. The Stifle Tower is a great nickname for Rudy. Yes, it's one of the, the best. French Rejection. <laughs> so many good nicknames there. Um, their fans are kind of unlikable, but I do love that team. So, yeah. you know what? Uh, cheer for the Utah Jazz, everybody. Wouldn't you like to see Ricky Rubio playing in the finals? I know I would. More than anything now that the Wolves are out. That's right. So, the Utah Jazz, your NBA playoff team now that the Wolves have been eliminated. This message has been brought to you by the Utah Jazz.
Alright, thanks to the Utah Jazz for paying us a boatload of money to read that for you. We're going to do a quick game. I know Neil is somewhere sweating bullets in England, you know, because of how overtime we're running. So we're going to keep this going at a good clip. And Neil, chill out. It's the last pod for a couple weeks, you know, so... Uh, got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we got, we got to give the fans what they want because they're going to miss us. We're going to play a game. It's called Worried Not Worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm really, really worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm freaking out here. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I mean, why, why would I be worried? I'm not worried. I'm not worried. You're not worried, are you? This is a regular segment, everybody, that we do where we talk about a couple things about the Timberwolves and we decide whether we should be worried or not worried about them. We each go about 30, 45 seconds on each topic, okay? Let's do it. Let's start. Robert, Tom Thibodeau, just a basketball genius in the first half of this decade. Defensive guru. But it seems like the league has adapted to him, and he may not have adapted to the league. Are you worried about Thibodeau's seemingly unmodern system of basketball? I am worried about it. Put Color me worried, Scott, because not only does his uh, the X's and O's aspect of things seem to be getting a little bit outdated, but the workload that he gives his players and just sort of the general demeanor that he has, yelling, never really, not a lot of positive outward emotion from him, that seems to be getting outdated too. So that does concern me, not only that the coaching is outdated, but that it's influencing his GM decisions and that... Because the the nature of the fact that he's GM and coach, that if there were going to be you know big problems, it's going to be hard to it's hard to see that you know changing anytime soon if it does continue to kind of go the direction that we that we feel it's going uh, with his uh, coaching style and also just the way that he manages players. I'm going to say I'm not worried, Robert. I'll give you a few reasons why. Tell me why, Scott. Uh, Andrew Wiggins has had the same basketball coach now for, is it, this is Tom Thibodeau's second year of coaching? He just finished his second year. And this is the first time since high school, and maybe even longer than that, No, I don't know what Andrew's high school experience was like, that Andrew Wiggins has had the same coach for two years in a row. Hmm. And I just think that, you know, sure, it just seems like Tibbs isn't getting through to the players, but let's try an experiment called letting the coach coach the same players for multiple seasons in a row. Because maybe it does, maybe Tibbs needs to adapt a little bit to his players, but maybe his players also need to figure it out and break through. And I think that Tom Thibodeau is a smart basketball man. And I think about, well, who would we replace him with? Who can we replace him with that gives you more confidence that someone knows a lot of basketball? Like Frank Vogel? You know, Mike, maybe Mike Budenholzer, maybe? But I just feel like, for the most part, a lot of the other replacement options don't really inspire a lot of confidence. And I know it can be frustrating with Thibodeau, but we're two years in, and this is a five-year plan. you got to let mm-hmm. the man execute the five-year plan, because if you're reactionary and you're just like, no, it's too late, I've seen enough in two years, abort. You're 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 uh, you're not letting the plan have a chance to succeed. Oh, well, kind of kind of uh, dovetailing into the next worry, not worry. That's correct. Uh, other young and upcoming teams, teams that maybe followed a plan or a process, shall we say, ha- being more prom- having a more promising year than the Wolves this year. Do you does that worry you, Scott? Yes, yes, it does worry me. Just because it, that was always my thing was. You know, I could always say, you know what, we're not as good as Team X or Team Y right now, but it's not about right now. It's about five years from now. It's about mm-hmm. when Wiggins and Cat are 26, 27 years old, when they're in their primes. That's what it's going to be about. But, it, you know, part of this is jettisoning off a lot of our other young talent. We're now, we look at our young talent and it's like Tyus, Wiggins, and Towns, hopefully Justin Patton. But we don't have as much young talent as we did before. And so we're not as young as these other up-and-coming teams. And it just, you know, it stinks to see the Sixers go from bad to potential final players in one season. Like, they yeah. were bad last year, you know? They were okay in the games Joel and played. And for them to be able to get away with flipping it in one year like this, I mean, I know they're in the East, and I know they've gotten some lucky breaks, but they've also had some bad luck with Fultz, you know, Embiid's not been the picture of health. So it, it does frustrate me, and... Uh, ultimately, it's going to be how this team continues to be put together going forward. How do we deal with this draft pick this summer? It would worry me if Tibbs trades the draft pick to bring in some mid-level exception type player or some overplayed veteran, and we continue to go into win-now mode. Because I do think for us to be good in five years, we still have the two big pieces, Wiggins and Towns, but we need, we're going to need some uh, reinforcements for them. Mm. How about you, Robert? 
Uh, I'm going to say that I'm not worried because I feel like there are actually quite a few teams that are now, I mean, we can look at the Philadelphias, the Indianas, the Utahs, and we can envy their growth and their, you know, the team chemistry that we saw them have this year. But there are quite a, there are some other teams that have some big questions to answer going into this offseason. I, I put Portland at the top of the list. Sure. Um, I not, think yeah, they they get labeled as a young team, but they're not really super young. And I mean, you can't have much of a more disappointing playoff run than they just had. Yeah, swept after being the three seed. Yeah, man, so, if only the Wolves could have been the six seed. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, we, could, we could have been good against anyone else. Yeah, and I think about um, some other teams that I mean, San Antonio. They've got. I mean, what's going to happen with Kawhi? Yeah. They're uh, the Wolves. Things could be worse. I'll say that. I mean, yeah, there are some there are some teams that you look at and you're like, gosh, I wish we could be like them. But then there's some other teams that you look at and you're like, gosh, I'm glad that we don't have to make the kind of decisions that they have to make uh, this offseason. I'm a little worried about Denver. They have a really good young core with uh, Jamal Murray, uh, Gary Harris, Jokic, mm-hmm. all 22 and below. And like Will Barton coming back, he's a young guy. They could be a good up and comer. But I, I like I feel a little less worried, Robert. That's a great point. Um, there's something I couldn't help but thinking about all playoffs long. Derrick Rose, <laughs> everyone's saying MVP. I heard MVP chance, you know, because oh. the, the MVP is back because it just because he and made a Timberwolves few shots. Twitter would put that just up like, yeah. we got an MVP. It's yeah, just, it's just like, ugh. Ugh. so Derrick Rose looking good in the playoffs. Is it all but guaranteed? Are you worried that we're going to now sign him to a bigger contract going forward? Color me worried, Scott. Uh, that does worry me quite a bit. That. I mean, we know how Tibbs seems to have an infatuation with his former Bulls, and there wasn't really a reason to bring in D. Rose when we brought him in. It's not as if, like, you know, Tyus got injured or something like that. Right. Um, he just thought he'd be comfortable with him. And, the, uh, yes, he did play well. He was maybe the most consistent of... He certainly was the best bench guy. Yeah. The entire series. And usually what happens, I mean, we saw in game one, he had a good game in game one. And so that makes him confident. So he forces up bad shots in game two. So game two was bad for him. But I saw in game three and game four, the same thing happened. He started making buckets. So then he started calling his own number more, but he kept making them. So yeah. maybe there it works. It It is the sort of, I do remember during these games when D Rose would have, you know, he'd make, he made quite a few threes, which was such a, it's almost as if, if you didn't want D Rose to come back, this is the worst possible series that could have happened. And that D Rose was sometimes the only bright spot, you know, in these, some of these blowouts. He'll get, he, he guaranteed his next contract will be worth a few million more per year just by his performance in this playoffs, regardless of that's here. And if you had to guess who was going to be, who's going to give it to him, Tibbs would be top of the list. So yeah. And that's not what I want. So dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully the Knicks Knicks will, but uh, no, I do think it's it's most likely to be here, which is why I'm worried because I'm worried about the money more than anything. You want to give him some negligible amount of money, great. I don't care. Um, the thing I'm worried about, especially if Jamal leaves, he can fulfill that Jamal role of gunner off the bench. But I'm worried that if we do sign him, it means the end of Tyus here in Minnesota. Mm. He's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. I don't think any team's going to offer him a backup the Brinks truck, as Isaiah Thomas would say. I don't <laughs> think anyone's going to offer him like an obscene amount of money or anything. But if we decide that Rose is our backup point guard, it means maybe the end for Tyus. And I think Tyus has all this potential and is going to be a better player than Rose. And also, like, if we're giving Rose like $8 million a year, $10 million a year, anything oh in that range. Oh, my God. Then, I don't even want to think about it. I mean, one, that's going to be a sunk cost because Rose can't stay on the court. No. He's, gonna, he's good for maybe 20 games a season. And that's if it's only injuries and not him leaving your team for ba- on basketball reasons like he's done twice in the last two years. He took an unexplained sabbatical from both the Knicks and the Cavs, where he just didn't show up. There's, is this the guy you want? Like and this guy doesn't question seem like if he, he was even going to return to the NBA. Yeah, people are like, is he just so overwhelmed by his injuries? And he, so he can't stay healthy. We saw him the most mild ankle sprain I've ever seen. Like when he turned that ankle, it wasn't like you know in game three where Jimmy Butler turned his ankle and went down. You're like, oh no, Jimmy might be dead. He, this might be it for the playoffs. You know, Rose barely hurt his ankle and was out for like two weeks. This is a guy who's. Who is glass? And if you're going to put in any kind of multi-year deal where you're making eight to ten million annually, that's just a sunk cost that's going to kill your cap space. So I'm super worried. In fact, of all the things I'm worried about, this is number one, Robert. Wow. Well, we'll find out. And last but not least, are you worried 
Scott, about Jimmy Butler's future with the Timberwolves. Given some of these, given the way the season ended, given the way that his agent talks about, you know, Jimmy's desire to be here and things like that, it doesn't seem like there's, that they're really the Wolves and Jimmy Butler and his agents are really simpatico right now. I'm going to say not worried, but that's my way of saying I don't know what to be worried about. Like, am I worried about us signing Jimmy Butler to a huge max contract and hoping that his health stays up for the next five years? Because that's also a man who's not only dealt with injuries, but played an extraordinary amount of minutes. You see after uh, Luol Deng, Joakim Noah, all these guys, after they got their contracts, their bodies broke down immediately out of the league, pretty much, for both of them. So I do worry that what is Jimmy's body going to look like as he hits 30 and goes over i think that if we give him a max for five years or four years that he's only going to be worth the money maybe one years of that deal and that could really be potentially bad um so in a way i'm more worried about maybe signing him for a max deal than i am of him walking away after next season because if he walks away after next season that frees up some cap space wiggins and towns are another year matured another year of having him his leadership in the locker room so maybe they're a little bit more ready to pick up that torch and become the leader Mm. um i know that jimmy rubbed guys in the chicago locker room the wrong way with his my way or the highway leadership style that was really good our team needed that this season we'll need it next season but after that maybe wiggins and towns are ready to become the leaders and i don't want them feeling stifled by jimmy so i'm not worried about the idea of jimmy butler leaving in free agency after next season um, if I'm worried about him, I'm worried about him signing a max deal for a lot of years and then not being able to play. I'm going to say I am slightly worried in that Jimmy Butler coming to the Wolves was probably the biggest trade the Wolves have ever done in terms of a great player coming back to them. They traded off KG, and that was probably bigger historically, and KG was a better player than right. Jimmy Butler at the time. But I don't want the precedent to be set where a huge a big-time all-star comes into Minnesota and then immediately leaves after a couple of years. Yeah. Um, You want the sort of situation where guys come in and they fall in love with the culture, the organization, and they want to stay. And that's what his agent said a little bit. His agent was like, you know what's good? You know to trade for Jimmy and sign some veterans and think that this is magically going to make you into a team that goes far in the postseason is silly. Because what agents and players are looking for are cultures where it's top to bottom in the organization, smart stuff going on. That's what players want. They don't want like, oh, they got Jimmy Butler. I'm going to take less money to go there now. You know, right? Yeah, and then that that's one of many factors at the very least. And so building to have someone walk away after being here, a big name like that. I do think that's not exactly what you want. Um, you certainly want to, if he, you, you don't want to just let him walk, obviously you right. got to get something from him. If, if you feel like he's just going to walk, but it is, um, you'd much rather have him being like, Oh, I look forward to a long career in Minnesota. And then you actually see if he's, You'd rather have him, him or his agent saying something like that, just in terms of how yeah. other, 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 you know, other organizations, other players, other marquee players look at you. You know, you don't want that precedent to be set. Where, That's right. You know. That's why you know the stuff like big name guys come in. KG and they not don't having want to a good relationship with the front office is bad for us because it's not yeah. just that KG's not around retiring his number. Who cares? That's cosmetic. But it's players who respect KG being like, oh, he doesn't f with the Glenn Taylor in the front office. Maybe that means that that's a signal. You know, it seems like this kind of. I mean, who knows what will happen? But kind of what's happening with LeBron and Dan Gilbert, where it's, it's not so much like the coach or anything. It's just. LeBron's sick of Gilbert. Yeah. And that can, an overbearing owner or an owner that's, you know, yeah. or an organization that is just rubbing you the wrong way, you can have all the success you want on the court. Yeah. That exactly. can really, uh, that can really eat it. Yeah. That marquee guys. Yeah. That's a great point. I didn't think about that, how damaging that would be to our reputation, that which is already in tatters along the league. We know we don't get any free agents. <laughs> Can't get any overpay. worse. But, like, yeah, it would be bad if Jimmy was left and was like, you know, F and those guys. And had bad things F to the, say. Yeah, you F know? those guys, that organization. Yeah, that's a great point. Now I'm even more worried about it. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, I'm sorry. Man. All should right. have been more optimistic. Speaking of being worried, Neil is worried because we hit the hour mark of this recording. I probably shouldn't say that unless he edited some stuff out before, and it's like the 45-minute mark that you're listening to. Yeah. Talking about times. I should start saying, yesterday this happened, and tomorrow this happened, because obviously you might listen to this five days from now, and then yesterday means nothing. It's a fluent thing. Well, let's go ahead and do our weekly Wolfies, uh, and uh, here's the music. 
presenting your weekly wolfie. Yes, that's correct, everybody. It's time for our weekly wolfies. It's an award that we give. You already know the deal. If this is your first time listening, listen to last week. We'll explain the weekly wolfies. Yeah. We're just going to assume you know what they are. Uh, I'm going to start with mine. Mine is for uh, achieving your goals and having your dreams fulfilled. Robert, for years, for years, as long as this pod has been, and even before that, I said, my goal is to go to a Timberwolves game just wearing a t-shirt, no jacket, just go. And on Monday, mm. I went to game four. And so the implication of that statement was always, I want to go to the playoffs because yes. it's never warm enough in early April for us to be like, yeah, this is game 82, but I can go in short sleeves. It's just not never. how it works here in Minnesota. Never. You need to make the playoffs for this dream to come true. And with our like late winter, uh, uh, delayed spring, it looked like it might not be the case this year, but it was like 70 degrees on Monday. I could just have snuck it in. I could have wore shorts. You know, I could have mm. worn shorts to the game. That's how awesome Short shorts. It was. Yeah, e- easily. And so I went to the game, short sleeves, and, you know, I know we lost the series, but you just got to take a moment to appreciate when there's something you've been dreaming of for years and it happens and you're in that moment. And I felt it. I, I left that game. The weather was perfect. I could have walked home. Mm. It was so beautiful, you know, just my ideal weather. And it was uh, it was just like, wow, I, this has really happened. I went to a playoff game tonight and I was very comfortable in short sleeves. No jacket could have gone in shorts. So I'm just going to say, hey, everybody, it doesn't happen very often, but whenever Savor you achieve, it. when you achieve your long-term goals something you've been wishing for for years and happens that moment feels good i'm glad that you were able to savor that moment um well my weekly wolfie we sort of touched on a little bit when we were talking about hard and some of the other fans uh, sort of boorish behavior boorish is a good tar- word. in target center so i'm going to take the route of being a gracious loser and I'm going to give my weekly Wolfie to one Mike D'Antoni uh, because I feel like he is a real, in, in terms of basketball, he's one of the revolutionary guys yes. out there. He's been doing it for a while now. And I'm so glad yeah. that he got, he kind of, his reputation kind of got dragged through the mud a little bit when he was in, when he was in New York. But now that he's at Houston and he's got all these weapons around him, it just seems like the perfect marriage of coach and, and team. And he's a man who deserves to have coached in the finals. Those Suns teams, one of them oh, should have made it. it was a, those it was Suns a, teams were incredibly fun to watch. Stepping off the bench, you know. Yeah, and that's one thing I'll say about him. They are, they are fun to watch. I mean, you can you get the the CP3 hardened silliness with the with the ticky tack fouls and everything, sure. but when they are moving the ball, when they, I mean, even Harden watching him is just. He's so good. I just, no, I, that's what I was I, I enjoy with. it when it's not against our team. When it's when they are dicing up another team with like hot knives through butter, it's fun to watch. And when they're doing it to your team, you're like, no, God, why? And why I think us? Harden is now one of these guys that, like LeBron, like Steph Curry, like KD, one of these guys that it just seems like he's so much different from everybody, everybody else. Yeah. You know, when he's playing, it's like, wow, he just looks, he plays so much differently. And it's crazy it's how. It's fun to watch. His, so, and his, D'Antoni's at the heart of that. It's crazy to see how he'll do some, like, penet- dribble pre- penetration into the lane. And then he'll look to see if he can get a layup on. And then he'll fake that and do another look. And if the player comes out, the big comes over, then he's like, okay, I'm under the rim now. Here you go, Capella. Like, his decision making mm-hmm. is amazing in the moment. Yeah. Um, that's funny. My wife asked me about that. She started using my old Kindle this week. It's like a five year old Kindle hasn't been mm-hmm. powered up. She powered it up and started using it this week. She's like, what's seven seconds or less? I was like, <laughs> oh, let me tell you about Mike oh boy. D'Antoni, my boy. Man, oh, man. All right. Well, that's some great weekly Wolfies. Uh, my only complaint is that Dan Tony doesn't have his mustache, which made him look like the Pringles man. Uh, yeah, throw it did. back, man. Uh, both Neil and Dan Tony. Play off mustache. mustaches, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have reset time where it's time for a game. It's a game we've never done here before, but we're going to give it a try. You are familiar with 20 questions, right? Absolutely. I'm well, familiar. we're going to cut it to 15 in the interest of time tonight. 15 <laughs> questions. I'm thinking... And I'll even save you your first question. Okay. Is it a person, place, or a thing, whatever. You know, it's a person, whatever. It is a person who is affiliated or has been affiliated with the Timberwolves. Okay. 15 questions. All right. Um, Is this player currently a Timberwolf? No. Did this player ever play with Kevin Garnett? No. Did this player play for the Wolves within the last five seasons? No. Did this player play before Kevin Garnett? Played basketball. Did not play for the Wolves before Kevin Garnett. This player has never played for the Wolves. 
but is affiliated with the Wolves. That's right. Was this player drafted by the Timberwolves? No. Is this player currently playing in the NBA? No. Did this player play against Kevin Garnett? Never. Did this player... This player is in the Hall of Fame. Did this player play... Gosh, it didn't play against KG, but they have something to do with the Timberwolves. Yeah, I mean... Uh, is it Kevin McHale? There it is. There it is. <laughs> wow. Uh, you just heard it here, folks. Neil, you got to keep that one. That was a pretty short game, man. I can't believe yeah. you just guessed that out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, Kevin McHale. It narrows it down if you didn't play against KG, but you have something to do with the Wolves. Man, I would love to see KG and Kevin McHale go at it on a basketball court, both in their respective primes. I know it's possible through video games, but man, wouldn't that be fun? Kale put KG down the torture chamber. Oh, yeah, man, that'd slippery, be great. Slippery eel or whatever he used to call it. Well, great call, Robert. It was, it was definitely Kevin McHale. Yeah, he's... He's a uh, he's got a special place in Wolf's history. Sure does, sure does. All right, everybody. I want to thank you for listening to Wolf's Cast all season long. It has been a fantastic season. This is the third season we have done as a podcast. In the first two, we were losers, and you know what? We were good at being losers. We were the best losers that I've ever been. Yeah, sure I'm proud of that. We own that. We knew how to do that. Mm. This is our first time being winners in a long time. We're trying to figure it out. We're not used to it. But we thank you. It's our first season on Canis Hoopus as well. Thank you to Canis Hoopus. They have been a terrific place. We love their content. We love the articles they write. We love all the best commenters. Content, best Wolves content. Best commenters internet, yeah. as well, you know? Oh. And uh, so check out the Wolves Cast Digest that was posted today, and which is yesterday by the time you hear this, or two days ago by the time you hear this, or three days ago by the time you hear this, or maybe four. <laughs> Neil's getting angry at me right now. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you to Canis. We're going to keep making great stuff for you. We're going to take a few weeks off now that the season's over. When Neil gets back from the UK, him and I are going to get together and we'll record a season recap. Just episode where we record all of our thoughts about the season and the off season. So that'll be May 10th, I believe, we're going to record that. By that time, we're all going to know whether Captain America dies or not. So I can't wait uh, until then, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening all season long. I can't, I really can't express how much gratitude I have to you guys. I, I love you all. Hmm. So. Thank you very much for listening. It's been another great season at Wolves Cast. And as long as you're listening, I promise you, we'll st- still keep coming up with random silliness to put on a uh, MP3 for you. So uh, thank you, Robert. Uh, once again, just MVP of guest hosts. I'm sure Neil will continue to be on tours in future years. So there's you're going to be no stranger. Plus, in August, we're going to need another round of Jeopardy. So thank you, Robert. I'll be ready. And uh, I look forward to following the Wolves these next seasons and following, uh, following you guys. Uh, right along with it so the future is bright for the wolves and for uh, for this podcast and can Supus and everyone affiliated with the wolves so it's a, it's a good time to be following the team I look forward to continuing the journey if you haven't yet listen to Robert's podcast Kings of the North they're in their off season right now it's a football podcast but legitimately hilarious one of the few podcasts that makes me laugh out loud when I'm listening to it it's not clever it's hilarious so <laughs> I would you. encourage you guys to check that out um, it's terrific especially if you cheer for a football team in the NFC but even if you don't it's, it's we'll a recording put, we'll of putting out a, uh, a draft podcast pretty it's, soon. it's one of those podcasts that's made North. between people who are more than friends where they're probably like too close of friends so they're always just like burning each other in the worst ways it's awesome so check it out it's called kings of the north and uh thank you everybody take care of yourselves take care of each other and remember if you're gonna boo the refs don't do it in a vulgar way take care everyone trey jones is my man's